Hey everyone, and welcome back to Round the Cauldron. My name is Megan, and I'm here to shed light on Wicca from a modern perspective. This podcast is produced every Monday, sometimes educational, sometimes philosophical, and always honest. So grab some coffee, pull up a seat, and join me Round the Cauldron. Hey guys, thanks for joining me for episode 11. Um, Last week's episode was super short and planned really, really bad, so I do apologize for that. Um, This week, I'm keeping good on my promise to talk about tarot, and I apologize for any background noise. The ferret is currently trying to get out of her cage. (laughs) I can't let her out while I'm recording because she will walk all over my laptop. Um, Anyways, before we hop into our topic for today, which is tarot, Uh, Let me just take a second to say hello to any new listeners out there. Hi, Um, I'm glad you're here. Besides the podcast, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, and you can also find me at my website, roundthecauldron.com, where you can find show notes and links for each episode. Um, I also have a shop there where you can get a tarot reading or one of my fancy mystical crochet items. And lastly, you can help support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. Okay, who's ready to talk about tarot? I am! Me! That's me! I'm excited. Uh, I've been reading tarot for a few ne- a few years now, um, and I want to tell you a little bit of how I got started with it. Um, I had always wanted a tarot deck, but I could never decide on which one to get. And I honestly, at the time, didn't really have the money to just go out and buy a tarot deck. Um, my boyfriend and I had moved to Oklahoma and moved in with his his mom. Um, we'll call her T. Um, and she ended up pulling me into her room and said that she had something for me. She said that it was given to her a while ago and she had no use for it, but she had a feeling that she needed to hang on to it. And when I moved in, she said that she knew why, and then she gifted them to me. Um, I still have that tarot deck today, and that was really my first introduction to actually having a physical deck of tarot cards. Now, a lot of people think that you absolutely cannot buy your own first tarot deck, and I disagree. I believe differently for a few reasons. Um, So if no one in your family or circle of friends is interested in tarot or knows that you're interested in tarot, How can you expect to be gifted something that no one knows about? And if it isn't safe for you to tell anyone close to you about it, then you don't want to risk your safety just for a deck of tarot cards. Secondly, I believe 100% that you should always get a deck that you're drawn to, and that won't always happen if someone else buys it for you. Anyway, um, so how did tarot gain popularity as a divination technique? Um... I'm not sure. (laughs) I know it was originally a card game, um, most likely created for nobles back in the 1400s, and it's actually still played in some parts of the world today. Some scholars actually think that tarot was used for divination as early as the 1440s, but no one has really been able to pinpoint um, an exact time frame. Now today, tarot has become a staple item for many pagans, Wiccans, neo-pagans, new agers, and anybody involved in any of the esoteric movement. Um, There's a good reason, in my opinion. The tarot connects us to the divine, but it also allows us to connect to our deeper selves. 
The imagery in each card reaches us on a subconscious level and allows us to look into our souls and hear what we need to hear from our guides or gods, whichever you believe. Now I have top five things to remember when you're learning tarot, and this is also on my website. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. So number one, tarot will not tell your future. It might seem counterintuitive to what you've seen or been told, and um, a lot of people equate reading tarot with fortune telling. In a way, they're not wrong, um, but tarot will not tell you your future because your future is not set in stone. The future changes all the time, and one single decision, no matter how small, can change the course of your future drastically. Tarot is a tool to use to give you guidance and show you your choices. Uh, it's also used to give insight into situations and experiences that you might be having. So keep that in mind when you you are learning to read your cards. It's not something that's going to tell you black and white, yes or no, this is what's going to happen if you make this decision. That's That's not how it works. Number two, tarot is not evil. Now, depending on your beliefs, and I'm going to assume that since you're here, you're an open-minded person, this is up for debate. A debate. Um, simply put, the tarot is just a deck of cards made from paper and ink. That's it. That's all it is. When we use tarot, and depending on how you believe it works, we are calling on certain things, certain entities, certain beings, um, to ask for guidance. This could be your own subconscious. It could be a deity or deities or the universe or whatever you believe. Number three, go ahead and buy your own deck. There, like I said before, there's a huge misconception out there that you absolutely cannot buy your own first deck of tarot cards. I say bullshit. If you want to learn to read tarot, go out and buy your own deck. Not everyone has someone who is willing to buy them a deck of tarot cards, especially if everyone they know thinks tarot is evil or stupid or doesn't work or whatever. This misconception comes from some people thinking that any deck you buy for yourself won't work for you, that it will have bad luck or something of the sort. Um, I don't believe this to be true at all, so you have my blessing. Go out and buy your own tarot deck. Number four, it takes practice. You're not going to pick up your deck of tarot cards and immediately be 100% accurate or even good at it. Like any other craft, it takes practice and time to get comfortable reading the cards. Work up a daily, weekly, or monthly routine to get yourself acquainted with the cards and into a comfortable position to read for yourself and, if you want, other people. Number five, there is no need to memorize every card. There's 78 cards in a tarot deck and each one has their own meaning. If you want to memorize each and every card, go for it. Um, but when you're first starting out, it's not necessary. I've been reading tarot for several years and I still refer back to the little book that comes with each deck of cards that I have because sometimes I forget the meaning of a card or the meaning of the card in the reading that I'm doing is not clear in that moment. Um, there's also a method of reading tarot based solely on your intuition, and it has nothing to do with the meanings prescribed to the cards. There's a lot that goes into reading tarot cards, and everyone does it differently. But I do find that these five things are more common than not in those of us that use tarot. So, your typical tarot deck comes with 78 cards with their own distinct symbolism and imagery. There are 22 trump cards, which are the major arcana. 
Then you have four suits, usually wands, swords, pentacles, and cups. Each suit has the same amount of cards that are similar to your standard deck of playing cards. Um, these are going to be numbers 1 through 10, knight, queen, king, and ace. Now the major arcana follows the story of the fool, which is the first card in the major arcana. The fool's journey, as it's called, tells the story of a person's spiritual journey through life and enlightenment. The other suits deal with things that a person may encounter during their daily lives. So let's follow the fool's journey here for a second, um, which I'll link to also because I actually wrote it out on my blog. So the major arcana in tarot can be seen as a metaphor for life, with each of the 22 cards representing a major event, person, or situation that we may experience on the physical plane. There's a reason that the major arcana cards are called trump cards, and that's because when they're pulled in a reading, they are given extra attention due to their importance in the deck. They don't just stand alone. Each one leads to the next, either forwards or back, depending on your movement in life and the direction that your soul needs to take in this life to achieve its goals. So follow along with me on the journey of the fool. So card number zero, we have the fool. He sets out for his first time in this world with nothing to himself but what he has in his bag. He is oblivious but happy, full of hope. He has no idea of the things that life can and will throw at him, and he doesn't see the cliff he just might step off of if he isn't careful. The fool is the naivety in us all, the newborn soul stepping into this world for the first time. All he knows is the happiness he feels at being alive and part of the physical world, and is ready to experience this life that he has been given. He knows that the possibilities are endless, and it is fitting that this card is given the number zero, as it has no beginning and no end. The infinite number of possibilities give rise to the spontaneous nature of the fool, whether to his detriment or not. On his journey, the fool then encounters the magician, who teaches the fool that our consciousness and our willpower can affect the world around us. The magician represents that active part of our creative awareness and impulses, teaching the fool that all we need to create, we hold within us. The fool simply needs to take the pieces of the puzzle and put them together, and the magician teaches the fool how to use the tools he is given to change his life. After the magician, the fool encounters the high priestess. She teaches the fool about the mysteries of life and that sometimes they are better left as mysteries. She represents our hidden selves, the shadow of the unconscious, where all mysteries of the self are repressed. The high priestess teaches the fool that the shadow is not a bad thing. She shows the fool that sometimes it is within that shadow that our creativity may sit, waiting for the spark of imagination and idea to ignite it and bring it into the light. When the fool meets the empress, he knows he is safe. The empress is a mother figure to the fool. Through the empress, the fool learns to express and appreciate his love for nature and sensation. She teaches him to explore his surroundings and take in all that he sees. She is the fool's biggest fan and encourages his growth through the exploration of what is around him. Next, the fool meets the emperor, who rules with strong will and strict adherence to the rules. He is the authority figure to the fool and teaches him about structure, rules, and discipline. With the order that the emperor teaches the fool, the fool begins to understand the way the world works. Rules will be enforced, and sometimes the fool will not always get his way. However, with the guidance of the emperor, the fool begins to understand his place in the world. Soon the fool ventures away from his home and meets the hierophant. This is when he begins his formal education and starts to learn that there is more than one system of beliefs. The hierophant teaches the fool about the belief systems that surround him, 
and soon the fool begins to find a place that he fits with others like him. The fool learns the acceptable behaviors of the society and culture in which he lives and takes delight in fitting in with his group. The fool soon discovers the concept of love. He starts to long for companionship and relationship with another person to become the half of a whole unit. He must understand that with love comes responsibility, and to be the half to a whole requires work on both parts in order for the partnership to be stable and last in happiness. The fool begins to realize that a partnership with another person can bring joy to his life. He desires to share his beliefs and values with another person of like mind. As the fool grows and matures, his ego is mastered, as that is all he has had thus far. He is self-confident and in control of his situation and surroundings, leading him to be assertive in nature and dominant in the things that he pursues. He is well-educated and believes at this point that he knows all that he needs in order to be successful in life, and he believes his current success will last. Soon the fool realizes that not everything is going, to, going as great as he wanted. Things begin to happen in his life that require strength, and he learns that sometimes suffering is necessary to grow. By calling on his strength, the fool learns to grow his courage to stand his ground and get back up when he falls. The fool realizes that to be strong, sometimes you must be soft. The ego of the chariot needs to be put back in its place before growth can happen on a larger scale. When the fool meets the hermit, he starts to question things around him. The hermit teaches the fool to ask why and to search for deeper meaning in life. The fool comes to understand that the sensuality that he felt when he encountered the lovers is not all there is to life, and he secludes himself away to find the deeper truth of life. Now, not everything in life is guaranteed, and when the fool encounters the Wheel of Fortune, that becomes clear to him. The Wheel of Fortune teaches the fool that even though it may not always be clear, everything is by design. The universe and all of its parts work together in harmony, harmony continuously turning and moving the world forward. The fool has some questions answered and knows now that even though he may have a small part to play, every part is important. His perspective is widened and his sense of purpose is found again. Now with a wider perspective, the fool meets justice. Justice makes the fool look back at his actions, inactions, and their, and their consequences to view the causal relationship between them. The fool has grown much so far and is now mature enough to take responsibility for his actions. Justice makes the fool question his current path and wonder if he wants to continue on in life with an open perspective and clean slate or go back to his secluded yet easier life of unknowing. After meeting Justice, the fool encounters the hanged man, who is quite literally hanging upside down. The hanged man teaches the fool that sometimes your actions have undesirable consequences that turn your world upside down. The fool sees himself in the hanged man and learns that sometimes you have to let go and give up your control in order to move forward and find peace. The fool feels suspended in time, unable to move forward from the daunting place he's in until he lets go and allows the universe to do its work. One of the more upsetting figures that the fool meets Death has an important lesson to teach the fool. Death is not always the end. Sometimes, death clears away the things that need to be gone from the fool's world in order to pave the path for new and better opportunities and learning experiences. Even though the fool may feel he is suffering due, due to the death of the old and unnecessary, death teaches the fool to rise up and face the new dawn, to grow once again where the old was removed. 
To say the fool's journey so far has been harmonious would be false. The fool has swung back and forth on the emotional spectrum, from the hard and ego-centered ruler of the chariot to the secluded and introspective character of the hermit. Temperance teaches the fool the joy in a harmonious life, one that is ruled by moderation instead of extremes. The fool has now combined all aspects of himself into one, a centered and stable whole who is able to experience the extreme emotions of the chariot and the hermit without letting it overrun his thoughts and actions. Soon after, the fool encounters the devil. The devil's lesson for the fool may be a difficult one to learn, but it's one that is needed. The devil teaches the fool that sometimes we may feel lost and hopeless. The devil shows the fool that though he may be happy with what he has now, the chains that bind him to the material world are holding him back and he only needs to free himself of these chains to continue to grow and lose any sense of despair he may have. Now the fool wants to shake the despair that has bubbled to the surface after meeting with the devil, and thus he encounters the tower. The tower is not a physical place, but it's a place within the fool. It represents the wall he's built around his ego, and he knows that he needs the enlightenment brought by a sudden change to knock down the walls of his tower, topple the crown of his pride, and free the truth within. Now the star brings the fool the peace and serenity after the storm of emotion that the devil caused and the overthrowing of the fool's pride by the tower. The star teaches the fool to hide behind no disguise and be true to himself. The fool's trust in himself is restored, and the star shines brightly, reminding the fool to share the love and spread generosity wherever he can. After the emotional turmoil caused by the devil and tower, and the restoration of the fool's trust in himself by the star, what might the fool possibly encounter next? Now the moon shows the fool not to get lost in his emotional state of being. In his state of pure bliss, the fool is susceptible to the illusions of reality and a dreamy condition that could bring rise to living in a fantasy. The moon reminds the fool not to get lost in his thoughts, as he might end up feeling bewildered and lost when the reality of the situations at hand hit him. With the reminder of the moon in his mind, the fool then encounters the sun. The sun shines a light on the fool, illuminating all that, may, all that might be hidden in the darkness and reminds the fool that without darkness there can be no light. The sun directs the fool's imagination and dispels the clouds of uncertainty and fear that hold the fool back. With the light shining on him, the fool feels empowered and begins to understand the goodness in the world instead of just feeling it. The fool has finally began to shed his ego-driven facade in honor of his true self. Judgment calls to the fool to examine his past mistakes, and, though he may regret them, the fool now understands that the mistakes made were due to his ignorance and fear. Judgment comes to ask the fool which values he is going to cherish in this life, and allow him to let go of that which no longer serves him. The fool is now ready to follow his dreams, having the knowledge and experiences he needs to realize his purpose in this life. As the final thing that the fool encounters... The world is exactly as it sounds. The fool steps out into the world with a new understanding of life, love, and happiness. He knows now with his experiences that he has the tools he needs to achieve his dreams and spread his message through the world. He becomes actively involved in the growth and achievements in his life, forever reaching higher to continue his growth and achieve his life's destiny. Though the fool's journey may be over for now, he is us and we are him. He will continue to grow, and he may revisit any of those he met along the way at any time in his life when it's necessary. We all need a reminder sometimes that we shouldn't lead with pride, 
rule with an iron fist, or succumb to our fantasies. Let the story of the journey of the fool guide you in your life. Next, each suit in the tarot has a connection to a different element and part of the human experience. The suit of cups is connected to water and human emotions. They also rule over the subconscious, creativity, and intuition. Cups often deal with relationships and balancing emotions with wants and needs. The suit of pentacles is connected to earth and worldly possessions. They are also associated with stability, nature, and health. Pentacles at a reading often deal with, with your long-term future, career, and household. The suit of swords is connected to air and intelligence. They are associated with logic, truth, and ambition. When the swords show up in a reading, it can be double-edged. Most things that show up in this suit can have two uses, good or bad, harm or not, and our greatest conflicts usually arise in this suit. The suit of wands is connected to fire and passion. They are associated with inspiration and willpower. When wands show up in your reading, it can be for a source of great and primal energy, whether good or bad. It can signify that ambition and action may be taking place or need to be taking place in a certain situation. So like I said earlier, it isn't necessary to memorize all 78 cards when you're first starting out with tarot. If you really want to do this, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but let's go over a few ways to learn the meanings of the cards. The first is your typical study session. This works well if you're a book learner like I am. You take one card a day in whichever order you choose and take note of it. Get a notebook or open your computer and write down the card. Write down what you see in the card. What symbols? Are there any specific colors? How does the card make you feel? Does it bring up any memories? Then check what you've written down to what the little book says about the card. How does it compare? Were you right about the card? Were you wrong? How does the book meaning compare to how you feel about the card? Now do this every day or every week until you've gone through each card and you feel like you know the meaning. And don't be afraid to revisit a card when you feel like you need it. Another way to learn the meaning of the cards is to use them. Jump right in and read for yourself. Get a feel for each card this way by pulling a card for yourself once a day and reading the meaning. Keep that card in mind all day and then journal about it at night. How did the card play out for you that day and how does it make you feel? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There's no right or wrong way to read the cards as long as it works for you. Now, I don't recommend doing multiple readings for yourself over the course of a day. Um, reading too often might confuse you. And if you're asking for guidance from the gods or your guides, you will probably irritate them. <laughs> when you read the cards, you can either choose to read by the book or intu intuitively. Um, these two styles of reading can be vastly different, but there's really nothing wrong with either one of them. If you read intuitively, you're connecting to the cards on a deeper level, and you might have more success this way. If you read by the book, you're connecting with the cards in a logical way, and you might have more success that way. Neither way is right or wrong. So how do you do a reading? I didn't have this in my in my notes here, but I'm going to I'm going to go over it really quick. How do you do a reading? So what you can do when you're just starting out is if you want to pull one card a day, whenever you get up or you're getting ready to leave for the day or what have you, 
go to your deck, shuffle your deck, um, say a prayer or ask for guidance, you know, say, I, I ask my, my guides to bring me the message from the universe that I need to hear today. I don't, it can be as simple as that. Um, if you have specific deities that you call out to, call out to them, um, however you want to do it, it's fine. And then pull your card for the day. Take note of it, take a picture, um, you know, write about how it makes you feel or what you think it means in that moment. And then as you go through the day, take note of how that card is playing out in your day. Are there any connections? Does it make any sense? And then when when your day is over, journal about it. Do the same thing. Write down the meaning of the card. Write down what you think the card means or how the card makes you feel and how it played out in your day. This is also tied back to um, one of the methods of learning the meanings for each card. And some people still pull a card a day every day just to sort of give them a little advice for the day or a little insight into how their day might go. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then you can get into more complicated tarot spreads like the Celtic cross, which I actually don't like doing because it's super complicated and takes a lot of energy. Um, but there are so many tarot spreads out there where the direction and order that you lay the cards in have a specific meaning and they each stand for a specific question that you can really experiment with them or, um, you know, come up with your own. I have one that I created that I'll link to in the show notes. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I think it has something to do with like a new month tarot spread. How is the month going to go for you sort of thing. Um, but I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, you can even use Google to help you out if you don't have your the little book that comes with your tarot cards. I know when T gave me that deck of tarot cards, it didn't come with a book. Um, she only had the cards. So I actually reached out to the company uh, that made the deck and said, hey, I was gifted these, but they didn't come in a box or anything. It's just the cards. Do you have the little book that goes with it? And they actually sent me one. Um, so you can try reaching out that way. Or if you just want to Google, what is the meaning of the Ace of Wands? I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure I know for a fact that you will come up with several websites that are super helpful for getting a deeper understanding of the cards themselves and their meanings for each each suit, each number, and each of the cards in the Major Arcana. Now before I go, I want to let you know that this takes practice. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time, and that's okay. Just practice read and enjoy connecting to the divine and your deeper self through the cards until next time everyone bye Please consider supporting this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. Follow the show on social media and feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. Show notes and links for each episode can be found at roundthecauldron.com.